I'll tell you what, I'm glad we've got victory in Jesus this morning and over death, hell, and the grave. Now, last week I preached on verse number one. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. And we said that departing from the faith is when they've left the Bible and tried to re- rewrite their own Bibles. And uh, you get away from the King James Bible, you're departing from the faith. I don't care what you say, amen. We say, how you know that? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And the King James Bible's the word of God, amen. Ain't got no mistakes in it. It's the Bible, amen. Now, then we preached on that seducing spirits, and then we got, I'll hit a little bit more about doctrines there, but I'm going to back up for just a little bit this morning. I did not preach on verse, we're preaching through the book of 1 Timothy. I did not preach on verse number 16 of chapter 3, so you'll back up just one verse there, and I'm going to tell you this right now, right? Verse, you want to write this down somewhere or mark it in your Bible, but uh, verse number 16 of chapter 3 is one of the great doctrinal verses in the Bible. Lord, help us preach this morning in a way that would glorify the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll illuminate my mind and loose me, Heavenly Father, to preach of the power of the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. I pray, God, this morning that you'll save people, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that, Lord, you above everything would be glorified and honored in this message that I'm preaching today. And, Lord, I pray that you'll help folks today. I pray, God, those that are lost, that you'll bring old time, Holy Ghost conviction of sin, that it'd be so nervous, Heavenly Father, and hang them over hell by a spider web this morning and make them see their guilt and their need of a Savior, Jesus. Jesus Christ. No, God, I pray that you'll point their eyes to Calvary and they'll see the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray they'll see him with a crown of thorns upon his head, bleeding and crushed upon his head, Heavenly Father. And I pray they'll see the wounds in his side and his hands and scourged beyond recognition. And I pray, God, that they'll see farther and deeper than that through the darkness of those hours. They'll see that God the Father placed their sin upon Jesus Christ. And God, that their sins can be imputed to him and their, his righteousness imputed to them and they can be saved from eternal wrath. I pray God today that you help us. We want to glorify you, Lord. I didn't come for no other reason. And I pray God today that you'll just take away all the junk, uh, Lord, the religious junk, the ritualism, the traditionalism and the stupidity of our carnal minds and that we'll be spiritually minded. God, I pray also today that you'll help those that are going through a rough time. Lord, there's people going through sickness and sorrow and Lord, just all kinds and God, but you're the great comforter. Lord, you can lift them up, Heavenly Father, and give them a shout in the midst of the drought. And God, I want to thank you that you're God Almighty and that we know you, that you've revealed yourself to us and that Lord, we don't have to be ashamed of our God. Lord, we thank you that you're coming back in glory and power someday. And I want to thank you, God, today that the earth is your footstool. And Lord, there ain't nothing going on that's got you shook up. There ain't nothing happening, Lord, that's got you all out of, out of sorts. But God, you're an absolute divine sovereign control. And I want to thank you for that. Now help us, Lord, today to edify the saints, to glorify the Savior, and God, to aggravate the devil. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it says there in verse number 16, this is a great, now here's something, it's kind of interesting to me. I want you to pick this up. Tim, Paul is going to give Timothy as a young preacher a doctrinal verse. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you read Timothy, doctrine is important. Don't you, somebody says, oh, we don't preach doctrine in our church. That's crazy. Amen. You better be preaching doctrine. Doctrine is what does the Bible teach? What does the Bible teach? How do you rightly divide the word of truth? How do you understand the word of God and apply it to your life? And he told him, he, and so he told him to give doctrine. So verse number 16 says, without controversy. Now, what's it mean to be without controversy? There ain't no fussing about it. We're not having a debate about this. We're not having an argument about this. It's without controversy. What's without confidence? Great is the mystery of godliness. 
Now, the mystery of godliness is Jesus Christ came in the flesh. That's what it tells you there. God was manifest in the flesh. That's what it tells you. Now, the mystery of iniquity will be when the Antichrist, uh, when Satan indwells a human body on this earth and is the Antichrist. That's the mystery of iniquity mentioned in the book of Thessalonians. But the mystery of godliness is Jesus Christ, God, came in the flesh. And he said God is, was manifest in the flesh, and he was, amen. Now, I want to say something here this morning. I want to say, and we're going to get plain, straight to it now. There, as I said, he said there's no discussion about this. There's no argument. There's no debate. There's no disagreement. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Amen. Now, I know I'm preaching that to the choir today. But I'll tell you to my Mormon friends, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. You need to leave the Mormon church. It's taking you to hell. I'm sorry. I do not hate you. You're not my enemy. I love you enough to tell you the truth. And your bishop hasn't done that. I want to tell my Jehovah Witness friends who do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. He is God manifest in the flesh. And you're going to bust hell wide open that you don't even believe in if you keep following that. I want to tell my Muslim friends, you're going to bust hell wide open believing that Muhammad is a prophet of God and you do not believe it. You, you say Jesus is a good prophet. Well, he claims to be God. How can a good prophet lie? So you don't even believe what you say yourself. And I love you enough to tell you this today that God was manifest in the flesh. That is nobody else in the world but Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Lord. I'm telling you right now, he was virgin born, conceived of the Holy Ghost in the womb of a virgin. And I'm telling you right now, he was manifest in the flesh. Colossians 1.15 says that he's the image of the invisible God. You want to see God, you look at Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 says he's the express image of his person. Colossians 2.9 said in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If you want to know God, you've got to look at Jesus Christ. Amen. Quit talking about him being a religious teacher and a religious example and all that kind of stuff. He's God Almighty. He came in the flesh and he died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. And you have to believe that to be a Christian. Amen. You deny that Jesus Christ is God, you're lost. You're not a believer. And all the religions of the world, a lot of them do that. Now, next thing he said this, watch this, boy, this is beautiful. He said, God was manifest in the flesh. That's Jesus Christ. Next thing it says, he was justified in the spirit. Now that does not mean that Jesus Christ had sin and had to be justified as a sinner. This is one of the most, it make me jump when I get a hold of this. You know what that means? Watch what it says. Justified in the spirit. Who was it raised Jesus from the dead? The Holy Ghost raised Jesus from the dead. Your Bible tells you that in numerous places. Did you know what the Holy Ghost was doing when he raised Jesus Christ's body that had been crucified on the corner? He was justifying who Jesus, he was justifying the innocence of Jesus Christ that he had never sinned, that he was the spotless son of God, that he was the absolute only acceptable sacrifice for your sins and my sins. And God said, I am pleased with him. And God said, because he's a sinless savior and because he died for you and because he's God, I'm going to raise him up from the dead. And that's proof that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. Amen. And nobody else in the world has ever died for you and ever been rose from the dead and the resurrection being justified 
The Holy Ghost said, this is God's son. He's the savior of the world. He was telling us. See, Jesus didn't die for his own sins. He died for my sins and your sins. He's justified in the spirit. The Bible said that he's separate from sinners. He did no sin. Jesus himself looked at them and said, who convinceth me of sin? He had done no sin. And I like what the old preacher said, death couldn't hold him, amen? And the devil couldn't handle him. They had, listen to this. Death had no justifiable claim on Jesus Christ. Wages of sin is death. Jesus had no sin. He took my sin upon him. But the judicial aspect of it was that he was innocent. And as that innocent bore my sin, but his innocent, sinless life, that's how you and I are justified. Just that simple. And when that statement says justified in the spirit, that means that God was satisfied with Jesus Christ offering for our sin. Boy, you better be glad. You know what perpetuation means? The Bible says he is our perpetuation and not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. It means that God said, I'm a just God. Sin has to be paid for and sin has to be punished. And Jesus satisfied the just demands of a holy God. That's why the Bible said that he is the just and the justifier of them that believe on him. This is serious business. I mean, you don't have to have all the the theological aspects of this, but it's just Bible, amen? It's not complicated. It means that my sin debt is paid in Jesus Christ and God's satisfied with it. And if God's satisfied with it, I ought to be satisfied with it too, amen? Amen. He said he's justified in the spirit. Now, look at the next thing it says, scene of angels. Boy, I want to tell you something. Angels were constantly involved in the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, Angels were involved when the announcement of his birth came, of his conception came. Angels were present when he was born. Angels were present when he was tempted. Angels were present when he prayed in the garden. Angels were present when he was hanging on the cross. Angels were present at his resurrection. Angels were present at, present at his ascension. And I'm going to tell you something. Angels is going to be present when he comes back again. Amen. And he was seen of angels. Amen. Even the angels know. By the way, even devils know that he's the son of God. Now, angels attended him. The Bible said, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Old Testament predicted all that. Satan tried to twist that. Now I'm going to ask you a question. You ever think about what the angels did while Jesus was crucified? Jesus said he could have called 12 legions angels. And I want to tell you something right now. I believe those angels wanted to step in. And God held them back. And allowed our sins to be placed on Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about angels. They're interesting. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers one night by himself. You don't mess with no angel, amen. He'll whoop you. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible said that he's coming back in mighty power and glory with his angels. Boy, let me tell you something. Did you know you can shoot at an angel? You ain't going to do nothing to him. Hey, you can laser gun him and you ain't going to do nothing to him. You can atomic bomb him and he ain't going to hurt that angel. Amen. You're fighting a losing battle. And the Bible said 10,000s of angels. Boy, I'm telling you something. Don't get, you ought to get on the side of God this morning. Amen. You ought to get on the winning side today. And I'll tell you right now, the next time he comes, amen, the angels will be coming with him. 
Then it said this, and I appreciate this. It said it's preached on unto the Gentiles. Preached unto the Gentiles. That's me. Paul took the gospel up through Asia Minor and on into Europe. And the Gentiles, that's a big deal because you see, God called Abraham out of Ur Chaldees, established the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. And we were outside the oracles of God, Gentile people, pagan. Uh, probably my ancestors were Drew priest. I don't know. <laughs> Irish Drew priest. I don't know. Pagan. We didn't know God. By the way, if you're a Gentile, your, your ancestors didn't know God. Jesus said they took the Jewish people, they set them aside. And he grafted you and I in, Romans chapter 9, 10, 11. Grafted Gentiles in. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you where I'm at spiritually. I'm a Gentile dog that don't deserve the crumbs off the master's table. That woman, she's a Gentile. And she, and, and she said, Lord, even the, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. Amen. I, you know what I do? I come to church every Sunday morning. I just try to get a few crumbs off the master's table. Amen. Amen. But every once in a while, he'll say, Reggie, pull up a chair and sit down. You can sit at the table. Amen. Amen. That's what we do as Gentiles, and God grafted us in. If God hadn't grafted us in, I'm going to tell you something. We'd just be old, we'd be pagans just like you, around the world, wouldn't know anything about God. Yeah. Uh, your Bible's a Jewish Bible, I'm going to tell you. Isn't it interesting that Mr. Zelensky, the head of Ukraine, is a Jew? Three of his uncles were killed in the Holocaust. There's something going on, folks. I think Ezekiel 38 and 39 is a stirring in the wind. God's preparing us for his coming. And it says there, he was believed on in the world. There was a day, Brother Terry Coates, when I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was preached to me as a Gentile. I heard the news that Jesus died for me on the cross, that he loved me. God gave his son for me, that I could be saved. And I believed on him. And I believe this. I believed on him. Well, by the way, you can go to South America, Central America, go to any island you want to, go to Canada, go to Alaska, go to the North Pole and the South Pole, go to Europe, go to wherever you want to go, Asia. Doesn't make any difference. And there's people that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, just like your Bible said. And then it said this, that he was received up into glory. Acts chapter 1. By the way, the angels were there. And he's received back up. And you say, Reg, what is he doing up in glory? Let me tell you what he's doing. He's interceding for Reg Kelly this morning. Amen. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He is right now. He was my suffering savior. The prophet of God came to die for me. Right now, he ascended back to heaven, sits at the right hand of the father, and he's interceding. And I want to tell you this this morning. That's why you and I can come today boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain help and mercy in time of need. I want to talk to you today. You're sitting back here and you're not here. You're here, but you're not here. I want you to say this, not cheap preacher talk when I tell you God loves you. God cares about your life. He, I mean that, and God means that. Jesus is, if you receive him as your Savior, he'll become your great high priest. He becomes your advocate. He intercedes for you. And I'm telling you something. He pleads my case to the Father. And my, sons, my sins are on Christ, and they're not on me. And he is my advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's my great high priest. Watch this. He ever lives to make intercession for me. I don't know if you've got, ever got a hold of that. But when you sin as a Christian, you need an advocate. You need an intercessor. You see, I can't get to God straight through. I have to have a great high priest. This is how Catholicism fools people. Because they, un they, they understand that people know they have a need of an intercessor. So they try to substitute Jesus with their priest. 
That, I'm going to tell you, that's false as it can possibly be. And I have a great high priest, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he ever lives to make intercession for me. And I'm going to tell you something. I can be driving down the road or working at my farm or anywhere in the world. And I can say, dear Lord Jesus. And he intercedes for me to the Father. And I'm going to tell you, I have an advocate. Somebody who is standing up for me before the throne of Almighty God. And who has perfectly pleaded my case. You know what bothers me nowadays about sin? It's bad enough in and of itself. But whenever I think that I may give Satan occasion to accuse the father before me. The accuser of the brethren. I don't want God to have to listen to Satan and say, look what Reg Kelly did or said. And I'm going to tell you something that will help you on that is if you love him. You don't want to bring reproach to his name. It's love. Now, we looked at all these things. This is a pastoral uh, feeding the flock kind of message. He's received up in glory, but I'll just tell you this. He's coming back. Amen. Amen. He's coming back, and I, I hope it's soon. Amen. How many would how many be fine if the Lord come for dinner today? It would be all right with you? All right, okay. The rest of you, 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 would, you have a good time eating. We're going to be gone to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. Now I want to jump down into four, chapter 4, and we're, like I said, just kind of preaching verse, to, verse by verse, uh, part by part. When we looked at chapter 4 and verse number 1, and it said giving heed to seducing spirits. Now I want you to get this. He just got through giving us one of the greatest doctrine. Is, is that not a great doctrinal verse? Verse number 16. I mean, full of doctrine. Jesus got in the flesh, so forth there. All that about, you know, manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen evangels, preached to Gentiles, received in the world, uh, uh, received up in, preached in, believed in the world and received up in glory. That's a doctrinal, I mean, brief doctrinal, clear-cut, mountain peaks verse in the Bible about doctrine. Now watch this. Jump into chapter four, next thing. The Spirit speaketh suppressly that at the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, once you pick this up, if you do not believe verse 16 and take it to heart, does anybody see what happened to you? The natural follow is that you, how many has ever wondered why somebody's grandchild or somebody's son or daughter who was raised in a quote Bible-believing church all of a sudden gets tied into Jehovah Witnessism? You ever wondered that? How'd they get wound up in Mormonism or some kind of off some, some crazy stuff? How's that happen? How is that happening? It's because they neglected doctrine. Did you know there's not a Mormon in the world that can fool you if you believe correct Bible doctrine? Let me tell you what's possible. It's possible for you to go to church 40 years and not know truth. Believe that or not. They'll preach you little old canned sermons, three points in a poem, never teach you nothing. You don't have doctrine to anchor your soul and to give you solidness whenever you get hit with the winds of false doctrine. You don't know how to handle it. Did you know that the average Mormon missionary knows that the average person they're knocking on their door does not know their Bible? And the only reason that they know that the success they have is based upon church people's ignorance. If, if, if they were to knock on your door today and say, and you said, well, you guys don't believe Jesus is a God. They say, show me the Bible where Jesus is a God. Could you do it? I was in uh, Aspen, Colorado, 1975, 76, 76. I took my old banjo with me and I just wanted to get away. I flew out there, rented a car, drove up in Aspen. That's back before it is what it, back then it was just a 
quiet mountain town. And I there a couple of days and it's just real quiet. Nobody much around. I went out in the park of the deal and I just took, I didn't know nobody, didn't care. Took my banjo and sat out there on a park bench in the parking lot. I spent Colorado and just picking around my banjo. The school bus comes driving around the deal and a guy hollered out. He says, is that it, Master Tone Gibson? And I knew when he said that, he knew something about banjos. <laughs> I said, no, it's a Baldwin Old, which, which were made in Boulder, Colorado. He said, I'll be back in a little bit. <laughs> and he comes back and comes packing his guitar. And we sat there and picked for a little while. And uh, we went somewhere and got a sandwich together. Just, I mean, personable, friendly guy. And, and he went the next evening, he wanted to meet and pick some more and visit. He said, he said I got something I want to talk to you about. And couldn't find out. He's a Jehovah Witness. And when he told me Jehovah Witness, I never will forget that we were sitting there in this room. And I said, uh, well, you guys don't believe in hell. And he started picking me with... Now, watch this. I, I believed certain things that I believed, but I didn't know where to go in the Bible to tell him. And he had, he had a Bible quote, his Bible. I'm telling you that thing, it looked like, looked like a dog had got a hold of it. It was used. And everything he was trying to tell me, he was, he was taking, he was looking at the Bible. And there I'm sitting there, I don't even have a Bible with me. And I just kept saying, well, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. There is a hell, and Jesus Christ is God. But I didn't know verses, see. And I thought of many times, I wasn't prepared to witness that man. All I was doing was playing defensive spiritual warfare. If they came to your house, hey, I want to ask you this question. If the Jehovah Witnesses come, if your grandchild goes to college and gets acquainted with a Muslim, could that Muslim win your grandchild to, to Muslim faith? Do they, if, if your son and daughter goes to college and they get up there and tell them that the Bible's a lie and full of mistakes and got all kinds of mistakes in it, are your grandchildren going to believe them? Or are you going to be prepared? Have you taught your children what the Bible, have you taught them doctrine? Let me tell you what's going on right here. Paul, an inspiration of the Holy Ghost is telling Timothy, you tell those people at that church that if they don't get doctrine down and primarily, first of all, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, because the Bible said if you deny that, you deny, you're, you're out. Okay. Can you, are you showing your children doctrine? Now, hang on your seats a little bit. I love Bible class. I love Sunday school. I think kids ought to be taught Sunday school. But if you're not careful, you just heard about Daniel and the lion's den in a way that never really told you anything about it. It's just a nice story. You heard about knowing the flood and you heard about uh, three Hebrew children in the, and you just heard these Bible stories. You heard about Jesus walking on the water. Well, wasn't that a wonder? Jesus walked, but they don't know doctrine. So here comes somebody along, and you, you even send them down to Bible college. Are you listening to me? You send them down to Bible college, and some old dude gets up, some old false prophet, first thing in, 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 in Bible 101, and says, now, you all know the Bible's got mistakes in it, don't you? And you're sitting there going, well, I, 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 I don't know. And he starts trying, and he starts taking you back to the Greek and the Hebrew, and he starts fuzzing your brain up. And you set there like a knot on a log, and you don't know how to refute that. And pretty soon you go figure out that if you don't agree with him, you're not going to be very popular in that class and you may not get good grades even. And then pretty soon they're going to look at you like you're an idiot. You mean you believe that old archaic King James Bible? I mean, I'm just being honest with you. How many of you parents, if a Jehovah Witness come around you and told you there's no hell, could take your Bible and prove to them there is a hell? 
And they say that Jesus Christ is not. Now, here's the, here's the sad thing about it. The Mormons are constantly talking. You get a Mormon talking to you, he'll constantly say this. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus Christ, our Savior. And you think, well, they just believe in Jesus as the Savior. No, they don't mean what you mean. That's, right. That's double talk. Ask him this question. You get messing with a Mormon, ask him this question right here. No, 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 no. Stop right now. Tell me, look me in the eye and tell me that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Don't let him divert you. Don't let him take you nowhere else. Because here's why I'm preaching this message. Here's why Paul told Timothy that. Some of you are going to monkey around and you're going to think showing up at church on Sunday morning and hearing some singing and Reggie preaching a little bit is going to take care of your kids. It ain't going to do it. Not going to do it. And you're going to mess around and your grandchildren is going to be a Melchizedek priest out in Utah. Who had a warm burning of the bosom. Yeah. And you know why? Because they don't know doctrine. And they're going to give heed to seducing spirits. And watch this, doctrines of devils. Because a doctrine that does not believe that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of the devil. And that's what I'm preaching to you. That's my message. Seducing spirits, doctrines of the devil. Let me give you, watch your Bible here. I'll show you how up to date the Bible is. Look at verse number two, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Did you know that's what Mormon missionaries, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam does continually, nonstop, is speak lies and hypocrisy? We've got the truth. We've got the truth. They're lying. It's hypocrisy. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Look at the next thing. Their conscience seared with a hot iron. Did you know what happens to you? God gives you over to a reprobate spirit and you'll believe a lie and you can't believe, you can hear the truth and don't mean either. Why? Your conscience is seared. Nothing can penetrate it. You've already believed that lie and you've been seared. Let me tell you what you, some of you kids are going to have. You listen to this preacher today. Some of you kids are going to get bitter at God. You're going to get bitter at the preacher and you're going to be game for a cult. You want, you want to go live your life and you don't like all that preaching about this and that and you don't like preaching on sin and you think I'm an old fuddy-duddy archaic. I should have been born in the 1600s and all that. And your mom and dad tried, you know, and, and you're going to get bitter. And when you get bitter, you know what happens to bitter people? They start believing what other people tell them who feed on their bitterness. Oh, you were raised in a Bible-banging, fundamental, King James-only church. You just sung them old hymns. You sure did. You sure did, okay. <laughs> that didn't work very well, amen. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you get, but you get bit at your mom and daddy, you watch out, the devil tear your head off. And it'll get you. And God knows that if you don't have Bible doctrine down, now watch this, not just intellectually, but in your heart. That you're going to be game for seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil. How did the Mormons get all them Baptists into their Mormon organization? They didn't know nothing. Oh, they, I'm a Baptist. I was born a Baptist, bred a Baptist. Oh, no, I'm a Mormon. It doesn't make any difference. You say, oh, I went to Liberty Faith Church all my life. I was born there. That first Sunday I went to church, they had my daddy stand up and hold me and they applauded. <laughs> I mean, you don't have doctrine down. You listen to me. 
you're not going to get it just coming in here on Sunday morning. I'll do the best I can, but you're going to read your Bible, know what you believe, get you that 52 Bible outline lesson, and you're going to learn doctrine. That'll keep you out of these hellhole cults. Because if you're not careful, your descendants will be in a cult because you did not know nor teach doctrine to your children. Are you listening to me? There are wonderful families whose grandpas used to be good Bible preaching people. But they just kind of got, you know, they just started going to church. You know, and the church kind of started getting dead. And first thing you know, you know, it's just kind of a social gathering. Boy, we, we just enjoy going to church on Sunday, get to see a few people, you know, and how you doing. And you know, I hope that preacher don't preach very late, you know. And that's, that's all you're interested in. That's all you're concerned about. He preached five minutes past time. You want to go home and feed your gut. And you're not looking down the road at what my children are going to know and believe. It's going to get you. Uh, he said their conscience be seared with the hot iron. You know what happened? You can't talk to him. You can't talk to him. Now, let me just tell you a little secret about cultism. If they ever get to hook in you, your pride will bend the hook over. Because you wouldn't want to admit to anybody that you got suckered into a cult. That you believed a stinking lie and didn't have any more sense than to believe that garbage. So now you're going to go full-fledged. And you're, too, you're going to be too stinking proud to ever say, I was wrong. First of all, how many knows the doctrine about letting them people into your house? God says you don't even let them into your house. You don't even, watch this, bid them Godspeed. You know what you tell them? Did you tell them what I told the last one I dealt with? I said, you're poisoning everybody in the, in the country and going to hell yourself and getting everybody else to go with you. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. You better bust out that stuff like a, like a, a calf out of a slaughter pen. Amen. Devil's fixing to slit your throat in hell. Yeah. And I'm telling you, we better know doctrine. Amen. And if you don't, he said, this is what will happen. Now watch this. Look at verse number three. Here's some of the false doctrines of devils that will come. Forbidding to marry. Well, the first application that I can think of, how many ever heard of priests in the Catholic Church? Amen. They're supposed to be celibate. It's the, it's the biggest queer cesspool in the world is the celibacy priesthood. That's right. Amen. The biggest child molesting mess hole you've ever seen in your life is in the celibate. They tell the priest that if you're, you're going to be a priest, you can't be married. Exactly what the Bible said. When they rejected truth, they started all this garbage. Told the nuns, you can't be married if you're going to be a nun. That's right there in your Bible. Who's not teaching their children the Bible? They wouldn't even believe that garbage. It's right there. Now watch the next one. Forbidding to marry. What doctrines of devils, seducing spirits, forbidding to marry? I believe there's that spirit in America. We just shack up nowadays. We don't get married. We just live together. Not only that, but watch how far this is going. Now it's to the perversion of marriage. God ordained one man, one woman, one lifetime. That's marriage in the Bible. Okay? But now what we got? Same-sex marriage? I mean, garbage? I'm going to tell you something right now. Now listen to me. Any kid or anybody in this church in the sound of my voice who's a little bit mixed up about whether you're a boy or girl, I can fix you. Say, how? Take a stinking look at yourself. 
Dodo. There's no such thing as a transgender. God created male and female. That's Bible doctrine. Know the truth and the truth will set you free from that garbage. Why are all these kids so, oh, I'm gender fluid. You're not. You're just devil possessed. That's what you are. A transgender is demon possessed. He said, you're talking about my grandson like it. Yeah, I'm talking about your grandson. I'm talking about, yeah, I'm talking about that, that kid that you won't tell the truth. You will let him slide off into hell, but patting him on the head, poor little thing doesn't know what he is. Have my daddy fix you up. I tell you, come down to our farm. He'd have had you bucking hay bales, had an ax in your hand, picking up rock. You'd have figured out you was a boy or a girl real fast. Amen. Amen. It's doctrines of devils. Forbidding to marry, getting, getting the sexes all messed up and all that kind of garbage. It's out of hell. Amen. Amen. Well, we're having a good time. Amen. Amen. We're having a good time. Amen. And then commanding them to abstain from meats. Now, hang on to your hat. If you ain't got enough sense to like a good hamburger, I don't care. Leaves more for me. I'm going to be honest with you. If you want to be a vegetarian, help yourself. I don't have a problem with it. Don't tell me I've got to be a vegetarian. And don't tell me because I eat meat. Jesus ate meat. He ate the Passover lamb. Get your head on straight. Now, you want to sit there and eat peas the rest of your life. <laughs> Help yourself. I mean, I'm honest with you. I'll joke you a little bit, but I don't care. Don't tell me I can't eat a hamburger or fish. Read your Bible right there. Read your Bible right there. You know what really gets my goat? You got these here animal rights activists. Animal, they're demon possessed. You say, how you know? I've read my Bible. They're into doctrines of devils. They don't care for you butchering a baby in a mother's womb. But don't you touch that spotted owl. We need the wolves. We don't care about babies, but we love wolves. And because we love wolves and hate babies, we're self-righteous and we're morally superior to you Midwestern flyover red state junkies. That's how they think. They're the most self-righteous. They think because they, they don't want to eat meat that they're self-righteous. I won't tell you, anybody that don't want to kill a wolf but will kill a baby, they're messed up. They're reprobate upside down. Amen. Oh, I like it down here in the Ozark. We're, I'm going to preach plain as the door you walk through. Amen. Amen. That's garbage out of hell. I'm telling you right now, listen, I, if you don't like meat, I'm okay with it. But be careful about inviting me over to dinner. Amen. <laughs> I got to have a little bit of fun with this. Amen. Abstain from meat. Now watch what God said, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. That means you bow your head and say, dear Lord, thank you for this T-bone steak. It said it's to be received with thanksgiving. To who? Read your Bible. (laughs) Read your Bible. Put that up on the board. If you haven't. To them which believe and know the truth. Now, how's that? (laughs) 
Now, let me just tell you what, why I get a little bit ticked for. You got these vegetarians climbing up them trees, won't let a logger cut a log, but they want to go to a house that night and get warm. They hate, they hate a combustible fuel. They want to run electric. It's electric car deal, ain't that something? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Matt, uh, Al Gore, he's so self-righteous. You burn carb, you drive a truck. You're polluting the atmosphere. Now, I flew in on my private jet to tell you so. <laughs> Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Amen. Right in front of our faces every day in America. Amen. Amen. Boy, I'll tell you what, I'm getting a Holy Ghost bump. Amen. When the truth, I can tell in a, in a service when the devil's mad. Amen. And it makes me glad. Amen. He don't like the truth. Amen. This junk needs to be exposed in this country. We're speaking the lies and speaking lies and hypocrisy. Consciences are seared. They think they're self-righteous. Tell everybody else how to live and what to eat. <laughs> Look at verse four. For every creature, God is good, and nothing be refused to be received with thanksgiving. For it's sanctified, for it's sanctified by God, by the word of God and prayer. God says, read a verse, pray, and eat it. I'll tell you what I've always said. And I'm not trying to be mean. But these New York vegetarians will eat each other before this thing's over with. They'll be meat eaters. They'll look at you and go... Oh, there's a fleshy one. <laughs> you folks better be losing some weight. You'll be the first ones there after. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Hey, man. Now look what God says next. This is just pastoral preaching. Amen. Look what God says. Verse number six is everybody there. Say amen. amen. If, Timothy, thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Woo! God says you tell them about this junk. I'll tell you, you're doing some good preaching right then. Amen. 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 And he said this. He said, uh, good ministry, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. And then he said this. But, oh, good lands, 1206. We've got to quit. I, Bonanza's coming on here in about 25 minutes. <laughs> No, we'll get just a little bit more here and let you out. But he said, nursed up in the words of faith and good doctrine, we're unto thou ascertained, but refused profane and old wives' fables. Hmm. You ever heard of Ellen White? Started the Seventh-day Adventist. Now, I'd hate to think, now, I love you women, but I ain't following you nowhere. And you're not leading me around by the nose spiritually either. Amen. You ain't grabbing me by the ear and saying, honey, come on. I'd hate to be following a cult and a false religion that a woman started. It's all, that's, that's all in the Bible. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm, that Jezebel spirit. Refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. God says... Quit joining the exercise club down there and exercise yourself. Oh, I'm fixing to get on a good one. Amen. I found me a horse and he's already saddled. Watch verse number eight, everybody. For bodily exercise is the most important thing you'll do for yourself and your children. Come on. Ah, some of you got five years 
membership signed up already and you're slinking down in your seat and you're mad at me and you ain't never coming back. Hey, there'll be somebody to get your seat in two weeks. Amen. Hey. They will. They will. You better hang on to it. I'm not against exercise and God ain't either. Let me tell you about your body. Watch this. It is the temple of the Holy Ghost and you need to take care of it. Well, that's God. It don't matter. (laughs) 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 (sighs) Honey, go to medicine cabin. There's 14 pills in there somewhere. Now, let's get close to home. Honey! What time is it? Hurry! We're going to get the golden crowd before the crowd gets there. Now, I'll tell you what, you got five plates in your arms. Did you know the Bible talks about a glutton just as much as it does a drunkard? I'm going to tell you what's killing you, and that's your colon. Oh, I'm meddling now. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. Your body's temple of the Holy Ghost. Y'all try to take care of it. And y'all not overeating will kill you. Thou be a man. Watch this. This is what your Bible says. Thou be a man or woman given to appetite. Put a knife to thy throat. That's what your Bible says. Overeating is dangerous. Fasting's good for you. Clean your system out. Yes, sir. I have made everybody mad at least once today already. Where should I stop? Bodily exercise profiteth little. It profits, but a little bit. But watch what he says here. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. We'll quit right there. God says, I'm not against you. I'll tell you what you ought to do. Some of you need to get out. Some of, I, I hate to tell you this. I'm going to love you enough to tell you. Some of your faces, you've watched the, that, that square tube so much, your face is squaring up. And some of you watched your phone so much, your face is oblong. <laughs> oh, listen, can I tell you something? You want to have a good time this week? Get out and walk, son. You say, I ain't got no place to walk. Find somebody in church that lets you walk on their old gravel road or somewhere back in there. Walk and exercise. Get puffed out to where you got to stop and bend over and breathe a while. But breathe God's good air and see some old squirrel run up and down the tree and enjoy God's blessing. I'm serious with you. I'm not trying to be honest. I've had fun this morning and kind of aggravate you a little bit. But God has practical advice, commands for us. And I'm just going to encourage you in the Lord. Uh, listen, I'm in a no sin cursed body. I'm telling you right now, I, I do not have what I used to have. I cannot go like I used to go. Can't preach like I used to preach. I can't a lot of things I can't do like I used to do. This whole body's going to wear out. It's under the curse. I'm going to go, going to go back to the dust. And I'm going on to glory land. And, and I have a new glorified body fashioned like in the body of my Savior, Jesus Christ. We rose from the dead. Now I'm just glad for the Christian faith. I'm glad that we can know solid doctrine, give us a sound mind, sound heart. 
We can know the truth and all the stuff that's coming at you every day and you sift it through the word of God. I, let me tell you something. More. I, I'm not apologizing for anything I preach, but I don't want to intentionally offend nobody. I really don't. That's not my objective. I love you in the Lord. I want God's best for you and your family just as much as I do for myself. Maybe not quite as much as I do for myself, but mostly. <laughs> this stuff's real. People get swallowed in this stuff because they don't know doctrine. They don't know doctrine. They get pulled into seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. First thing you know, they're off in all kinds of stuff. How many, uh, let's take a vote. Let's have a church election. How many thinks I ought to quit and I'll go home? Raise your hand. One, two. How many wants to be preached for three more hours? Raise your hand. Oh, no, no, we ain't doing that. Let's stand together. Amen. <laughs>